you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? It is that, transfer Tinder or for coaches. It is. It is. Swipe left, swipe right. Who do you like? Got to be in the portal. That's downloading the app. <laughs> well, I've been riding Spencer's uh, you know, wave here for eight years. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. It is time for our weekly conversation with Zach Wilson. Okay, two weeks from today, Zach Wilson is going to become the highest drafted Cougar in football history. Each week we chat with the soon fifty, soon to be 50 millionaire. <laughs> That's the real number he's going to get, by the way. Uh, is he ready to become a New York Jet? Here's this week's path to the draft on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Zach, we've talked to you in Southern California. We've talked to you in Utah, and now we're uh, somewhere else. Where are you today? Yeah, hanging out in Idaho. You know, a lot of moving around. <laughs> somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Idaho. We're like in uh, Ashton, Idaho, staying at a cabin and uh, with some of the other BYU guys that are kind of going through this pre-draft process while just you know trying to take a little bit of a break and hang out. That's awesome. Who's with you? I'm with uh, Matt Bushman and his wife Isaiah Kafusi. His wife is here, and and then um, uh, Troy Warner is also here and his wife. So we got a good, good little group of guys all hanging out. That's awesome, man. How, how important is this time for you? Because obviously once you uh, are drafted, it's, it's all in, right? Um, that kind of the, yeah. me, the mental break of that. Yeah. I mean, this time is huge. Like I got to make sure, you know, I'm still you know, going over, uh, you know, installs and stuff like that. So, so kind of what I'm doing is, is going through film. I'm just making sure like I'm watching every team this past year, kind of like I did with BYU, just making sure um, I'm getting used to defenses and, um, defensive IDs and all that kind of stuff before the draft comes. Cause once it comes, you know, I'm going to have to pick up whatever offense they, they hand me um, right after the draft and I'm going to have to try and learn it as fast as I can. So any advantage I can get right now, of just you know, getting used to watching NFL film is going to be, you know, an advantage for me. You know, I'm still doing coaches meetings with a bunch of different teams and um, you know, trying to figure out that whole thing. And then, and then physically I got to stay up with uh, lifting and running and all that kind of thing. So no break then. Yeah, no break. But out here, <laughs> at least it's peaceful. Yeah, different location. Yeah, that helps absolutely. Yeah, I'm talking with Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation. Let's get to a couple of comments people have made. Want to get your reaction uh, to different stuff? So Colin Cowherd said he doesn't want uh, you to be good in chaos. He want because he feels like the Jets are already chaotic. He wants you to be in lockstep with the system and uh, the head coach. So what um, you've evolved in this way, uh, and you've talked about you know a couple years ago in certain situations, maybe held on to the ball too long or whatever. How do you feel like you've grown and how you've, uh, you know, performed in chaotic situations, whether it be in the pocket or the game itself? Yeah. Well, I just feel like I can use it when I need to. I mean, my, my first choice is obviously be able to work in the pocket, be able to just, you know, small movements, slide, go through my progressions. Like I'm supposed to make the decisions I'm supposed to, um, you know, but when things do break down and when things are chaotic, you know, I'm able to, still function within the offense and still make plays within the offense. So, you know, that's something I'm always working on and, and trying to keep improving on. So uh, no matter what offense you're in, you know, that's, that's a, that's, that's valuable to have. How did you progress as a quarterback in terms of, and you've talked about this a lot um, with us here is pre-snap, right? You're evaluating what's going on, but then things change once the ball is snapped sometimes, right? Um, how, how did you evolve as a quarterback in terms of trying to limit the chaos as much as possible? And then when it gets chaotic, making the right read. Yeah. Just understanding sometimes in like tough situations when, you know, this isn't a time to put your team behind. This isn't a time to, you know, do something that that could hurt your team, you know, understanding when to take risk and when not to take risk. Um, you know, understanding the situations definitely helped me more. You know, there was times it was, 
you know, third and extra long and, you know, freshman or sophomore Zach would have probably, you know, tried to throw the ball 30 yards down the field to try and force it into a tight window to try and get that first down, you know, but sometimes it's okay just to throw a check down and, and just live to play the next down, you know, maybe give your, give your defense the, the benefit of, you know, us getting 15 of those yards by throwing a check down. And, and now we're punting on the plus side because now the field position is our, in our favor. Uh, you know, little things like that, that kind of just go all the way back to uh, the situations of the game and, uh, you know, just living to play the next down. You only had three picks last year. Do you remember each one of them, or is that something you put out of, out of your mind? Yeah, I do. I do, uh, and that's just because, you know, obviously you're, you're going to remember all the bad plays, and you're going to try and you know, keep improving and getting better on those. So uh, it's definitely what, things I wish I didn't have, but I know it's part of the game, and I just got to you know, find out what I could have done better. Hey, only three, though, man. That, w- yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, well, not too bad. <laughs> okay, uh, Mark Sanchez, uh, former Jets quarterback, hey, uh, compared you to Brett Favre. We'd had a lot of kind of current guy comparisons, right? Some people say you're a little Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. But Brett Favre was an interesting one. What did you think of that? Well, I think, uh, you know, Brett Favre is just one of those guys that extends plays outside the pocket. So I think that's kind of where he's probably coming from. And, uh, you know, that's, that's awesome to be compared to Brett Favre, one of the best around. You know, all of those guys are the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, so it's awesome. You know, I think you could probably uh, pick a part of any quarterback game that you could see a little bit of any, you know, anybody in, um, you know, you could talk about, you know, parts with, you know, Tom Brady or, you know, parts with Drew Brees. I mean, there's, there's so many comparisons you can make to anything. I mean, quarterbacks are so similar in, in things that they do. So, uh, you know, everyone's always trying to have their comparisons of, of the ways guys, guys play the game and, you know, it's very generous, but you know, everyone, everyone's a little bit different in their own way. Stephen A. Smith on first take uh, talked about you as well, but he called you Luke Wilson. That's happened with Colin Cowherd too. What? What's? Uh, how often does that happen? Where someone uh, you know misplaces your first name like that? I don't know. I guess every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't keep. I don't keep up with them enough. So, are you the third guess, Wilson brother? Hopefully, they'll Luke? learn my name one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the hope, right? Uh, Luke Owen and Zach yeah. Wilson, the the trio of brothers. I guess. Yep. Uh, exactly. Have you finalized where will you will be on draft day? Not decided yet. You know, I'm still going over with my family. I'm sure there'll be some media out there once I decide if I'm going or not. Uh, we're still just kind of thinking uh, through the pros and cons, if I should go, if I should stay, you know, what the benefits of both are. Is the league hoping you'll be there in person if you want? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think the NFL would like us there. Um, you know, it's a special night. I know they they uh, take pride in having people there and experiencing the whole thing. And, you know, normal years, I mean, that's a dream come true to be there. But, you know, COVID situation and everything going on, you know, that's the only reason I'm hesitant to, to figure out what to do. Are you expecting to be drafted by the New York Jets at this point, given the Sam Darnold uh, trade and given the rhetoric publicly? Well, I don't know. You know, that's what the media says, right? And that's what, that's what you hear around you. You know, but in my own, you know, personal experience of just understanding, you know, the small circle I'm around, talking to my agent, talking to guys around me. Uh, you know, you never know what can happen. You know, that's not the impressions that I get from them. Uh, you know, I'm still talking to every team the same. I haven't talked to them more than anybody else. So it's not that, um, you know, it's kind of seem, seeming favored in their, in their side. It's, it's almost, you know, anything could happen. You know, you could all of a sudden see a trade, <clears throat> you know, the day before, you know, maybe I could go there. Or maybe somebody else moves up. I mean, you have no idea, you know, what could happen. So really, I'm not trying to set my mind on anything until, until that day comes and we actually figure out what's going to happen. Jets at two, Niners at three, Falcons at four. Those seem like uh, teams that are all going to draft quarterbacks. So do you feel like uh, the likelihood is that you're going to go to, if it's not the Jets, one of those other two teams potentially? Yeah, it seems like it. You know, I think 
nowadays with the value of, of being able to get a quarterback this cheap um, and having like the slotted uh, draft money up early in the draft, you know, people are willing to trade up that high to get these quarterbacks. Now, you know, back in the day when you had to pay, you know, so much, I think Sam Bradford was about 60 million to get a quarterback, you know, early in the first round uh, guys weren't drafting quarterbacks this early unless they knew that they were starters. There wasn't that development time um, coming, but nowadays, you know, when you can get them for half the price, you know, guys are willing to trade up and try and get their future quarterbacks. So, you know, it kind of seems like this could be a first year that, that it, it could go, you know, three, four quarterbacks in a row. So it could be crazy uh, to see how it, how it unravels, but I'm excited to see, you know, where everyone lands. If you go to Cleveland, are you going to have to think hard about like what suit you're wearing? Cause if you're at home, you can be chilling, right? Yeah, for sure. If I'm at home, I'll be chilling in some clothes. And if I go, you know, I'm already figuring out suit options and stuff just in case, cause I need a suit anyways. Uh, so I'll get a suit, you know, no matter what. And, uh, if it's for the draft or not, you know, I'll make sure I get one. Like, like a custom one with something on the inside and you messaging yeah. or whatever. Yeah. We'll get a nice, like, I think it's like a Hugo boss suit, custom suit that we'll get, uh, make sure we're all, uh, styled up. Uh, and what are the chances you wear the, uh, the bandana to the draft? Yeah, that's low chances. Low chance. <laughs> that's what I thought, but uh, yeah, all, all good. Um, BYU TV Sports, we've been putting out uh, highlights of you on Thursdays as we get ready for the draft, um, and one of them we put out was some of your long runs. It's not something a lot of people are talking about, but do you feel like that's an asset that you will be able to use in the NFL? Because I felt like that was an underrated part of your game that people don't talk about a lot. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I feel like the ability to run uh, for a quarterback nowadays is is so valuable. I think the ability to escape, the defense is all dropping. You know, they're they're, they're turning their heads, running, running with the receivers down the field. Those backers are, and, and you got to make some guys pay. You know, you got to be able to break the line of scrimmage and go pick up uh, ten to fifteen a pop, and then all of a sudden, you know, a defense has to respect that. You don't have to be the best runner in, in the world, but you have to have you know some athleticism just to be able to get out of the pocket. So I think it's very it's very needed. You know, I, I didn't care how many rushing yards I had a game, you know, but if I had, you know, a couple sacks that took away some of those rushing yards, but I was able to steal a couple, you know, 10 to 15 yard runs, uh, then I think that's very valuable uh, for a team. We're about two weeks out, man. You, you've waited your whole life for an opportunity like this. And this is one of the biggest days of your life coming up, if not the biggest up to this point. What, what's it like right now? We're two weeks away, man. It's almost here. Real, You know, I keep thinking back to, uh, you know, just this April of after pro day, just kind of trying to take a break and just, you know, understanding how long the season's going to be. Uh, and then a part of me is like, geez, like May 7th is probably going to be OTAs and, and rookie mini camps and all that kind of thing. You know, and I bet they, you know, do that, you know, it's not official, but I, I, I need to be ready for that if they do. So it's crazy because, you know, I need to make sure I'm, I'm training hard and, and getting ready for, you know, practice and have, having to play this next year. Uh, you know, cause right now it kind of seems like, Oh, everything's just kind of hanging out and we're just chilling at home waiting to see what's going to happen. But the second the draft is, is over, you know, we're going to be out with our teams and, and probably just trying to get, get learning the offense and getting used to the players and the locker room and everybody else and the coaches. So it's going to be exciting how quick this is all going to happen. But, you know, I've waited for this my whole life. So it's going to be a dream come true on the 29th. I'm excited for it. How old were you when you realized that maybe the NFL would be an option for you? Yeah. You know, I've always had a dream of that. Of course, you know, when I first realized it was probably an option, uh, was my freshman year, you know, just getting playing time and understanding the abilities I had, you know, I was a very confident kid. I understand, you know, the things I could and couldn't do. I knew there was a development process. I knew I'd have to keep getting better over the years. I knew there was things just with time and, and playing time that I, I'd, you know, keep improving on, you know, kind of like I showed this past year for my sophomore year is, 
there's a development stage. People are just going to keep getting better. But I always kind of knew in the back of my head, you know, even through all the ups and downs that my freshman year, you know, kind of just showed promise of uh, being able to play. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be a top five pick or I didn't know if it was going to be undrafted free agent, but I always thought I was going to get a chance. Well, that chance is coming up in about two weeks. Zach, uh, we're very excited for you, and we uh, have had fun talking to you uh, throughout this process and will over the next couple of weeks. So enjoy your time in uh, Nowhere, Idaho, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. It was exciting. Thank you. That was my conversation with Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. So he's thinking, okay, there still could be a trade or whatever, but I wonder if deep down he's like, yeah, the Jets, let's go, baby. He's wise to say things how he says them. He, he's very well-versed in the public eye and in media. So he's saying all the right things, which I love. But you I have to, to say some wrong things. But you have to think, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, it's safer to do that because there are just wild things well, that happen no on draft night. Well, make no assumptions. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's uh, you know, being courted. Like, you don't yeah. want to ruin anything there. Uh, sure. It's just crazy. Maybe somebody else drafts a quarterback that the Jets like. Maybe the Jets didn't like him as much as Zach Wilson, but that team comes up later and says, we will trade you the quarterback we just picked at number eight or number four and give you a bevy of other draft picks yeah, maybe. if you give us Zach Wilson. It does feel like the Jets are in love, though. Right. You know, so when it, you're in love, you, you do never crazy know. So things. He's, he's, now that I'm talking myself <laughs> through this, he's smart to approach it that way. It's like, until yeah. it's done, it's not done. Yeah. No, it's, and even when it's done, is it really yeah, done? It's, everything until the can, draft is over. Literally everything can be undone. Trades are off the everything. table. Like, draft night's going to be fantastic. Yes. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Our next segment presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Yeah, no kugels discussed in uh, this segment. No kugels allowed here. In a piece recently from The Athletic that talked about under-the-radar guys who helped their draft stock with their pro day performances, a few BYU names were mentioned, notably BYU's Chandon Herring, Kairos Tonga, and Zach Daw. Jerem, if it's not one of those three, for you, who is the most under-the-radar BYU football draft prospect? Matt Bushman, because he didn't play last year. So he's off the radar, not even under it. He's just out, right? Uh, towards Achilles in August, uh, you know, just a week before the season, it was uh, super sad. But he looked good and did well on pro day. Uh, he's going to ride that Zach Wilson wave as well as one of the receivers that caught from him there. I think he was, uh, you know, he was NFL bound in some capacity prior to the injury. And uh, supposing that he's equal to or hopefully better, uh, you know, without school and training and, and getting recovered from that, that he can be an NFL receiver. Todd McShay was one of the first to say, oh, yeah, he's an NFL receiver in the 2019 season. Yeah, he never drops anything. Honey hands. In fact, we told Todd McShay that phrase. Yes, honey hands. Hopefully Todd uses it on day three coverage on ESPN, <laughs> drops a honey hands or something. But I, th- I think it's Matt, and I don't think he's alone. I think there are several guys under the radar that, although they may not be drafted, and we'll see how many are drafted, at least one, two, three, I don't think four, but maybe – or drafted day three, there are, there's some real talent there. You don't go 11-1 and one with scrubs. You just don't. If it's not Matt Bushman, it's the guy 
that has built a legacy on being underappreciated, and now he's still under the radar. It's Dax Milne. I think Dax Milne is an NFL receiver. He can be a Danny Amendola. He can be a Wes Welker. He can be a uh, Hunter Renfro. Like, Dax Milne is that capable of a receiver. In fact, I think Dax, if he played for Clemson with Deshaun Watson, that he would have been Hunter Renfro, right? Yep. He's that type Bigger of receiver. Spotlight. He might even be a better receiver than Hunter Renfro. I think his skill set is incredible. He's underappreciated. So he's not going to the Raiders. We know he's that. under the radar still, and I expect him to sneak in there with uh, a seventh, sixth, seventh round draft pick, and and hopefully it's to the Jets. I know you said that's a cute idea. It totally is. It's very. Cute. I love that idea of hey, yeah, bring in Zach's most trusted commodity in college and just see what happens. It's not guaranteed to make the team, but. Let's see what he can do with Zach Wilson in New York. It's cute as a button, yeah. No, the idea of fellow BYU guys playing together is great. That's awesome. If they don't, whatever. Yeah, Dax thrives in this role of under the radar. Like He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. But he just makes plays. He brings it every single game. Every single rep. That's what Dax Milne brings to the table. And so I like it. That sounds nice to me. Right? NFL scouts, you, GMs, you watching and listening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Kyrus Tonga is not under the radar, per se. No. Like, he's too big <laughs> to be under the yeah, radar. Yeah, it was interesting that he showed up as an under the radar guy. It's like, ah. Chandon Herring and Tristan Hodge, yeah. Like, because. Yeah, they, Zach Daw for sure. Zach Daw for sure. Yes, Zach Daw had a tremendous pro day as well. That's awesome. I'm interested to see. Yeah, this is, and, and we talked about it. Listen, the, the story of the draft is Zach Wilson. But there are also other stories to uh, of note and. Uh, Chris Wilcox yeah. as well. Was Chris too fast so that now he's not under the radar anymore? Correct. He's not under the radar. Four three one like that. That's like oh, under, under the radar. So like you're in a sub or a plane, I guess, and it just doesn't catch you, right? Ooh. Yeah. I did. What's your favorite rate? Uh, you know, submarine movie. By the oh, way. That, well, that's a great tangent question. Oh man, it's a tangent show. Probably U five seven one. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Hunt for Red October's mine. Although I did watch Das Boot, uh-huh. the German one. That's one of like the top 100 movies, isn't it? Yes, it is. IMDb. I've seen 99 of those top 100. <laughs> we can talk yes. about the one that I haven't yes. seen later. Dax Milne is my submarine guy for BYU, and Matt Bushman is yours. Matt Bush, yeah, Matt Bushman. He's like Matt, Matt Bushman would have been on the radar. Oh, this just in uh, from Nathan Bence. After researching plenty of dinosaurs, the best combo I could find would be a cougar raptor <laughs> <laughs> instead of a kugel. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going dinosaurs so much randomness yes. I love it like Chandon Herring and Tristan Hodge are interesting prospects at guard mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. they're definitely off the radar but you're on the radar when you're attached to Zach Wilson that's a thing and there were some guys and that they're good individually but maximize that on pro jump on the Zach train yeah. honestly like yeah. all these guys to some degree especially on the offensive side have done amazing things but they're, they're on the coattails of Zach Wilson, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It will get you a look that you didn't get before. Yeah. In all these Zach Wilson highlights, you know who's being seen? The receivers, the running backs, and the linemen. So it's interesting to see if they will get an opportunity. I think they will. It's just whether they're drafted. Who was it? Was it uh, Mina Kimes that was tweeting at Mike Golick Jr. like, okay, we're watching all these Zach Wilson highlights, but I just keep watching the offensive line. Yes. Yes. Incredible no, stuff. Ride that wave, man. Let's go. I've been riding Spencer's uh, you know, wave here for eight years. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the New York Daily News Jets beat writer. His name is DJ Bien Ame. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, DJ. Thank you for having me in. This should be a lot of fun. Can't wait to talk some, you know, Zach Wilson to the Jets. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, it certainly is the number one topic across BYU Sports Nation and across a lot of the football world in some ways is the case of Zach Wilson. So let's just start here. Is Zach Wilson to the New York Jets with the second overall pick basically a done deal? I mean, for the most part, it seems that's what it is. You know, Adam Schefter tweeted, I mean, texted Zach Wilson saying, uh, welcome to New York. So I know, you know, Adam wouldn't do that for no reason. Even though, you know, some of the Jets uh, representatives there are at Justin Fields' uh, pro day today, second pro day today. But um, from everything that I've heard, everything I've read, it seems like it's basically a done deal. I mean, Steve Young basically said uh, they've been recruiting a family. Uh, and then when we asked Joe Douglas about it, he didn't deny it. I mean, he was, when he asked a follow up question, he was just like, no, not really. But when we first asked him, he said, uh, well, Steve Young's pretty plugged into the program. <laughs> if you really want to deny that, <laughs> you're not going to say Steve Young's um, plugged into the program. So, um, yeah, from everything I've read and everything I've seen, you know what I'm saying, it seems like it's a done deal. We have a weekly conversation with Zach. And so we asked Zach, and this hasn't aired yet. I think it'll air uh, tomorrow or, or Friday. Uh, are you expecting to be a Jet? And he said, well, uh, who knows? You know, trades can happen. You never know what happens on draft day or whatever. So he, he didn't say, like, yeah. But I think that's probably a good political answer. What are Jets fans um, discussing around Zach? Are they stoked? Are they hesitant? Are they – how are they feeling about this? So from my – from what I've seen on Twitter and from just Jet fans that I've spoken to, it's, it's like 65, 35, 65 pro Zach Wilson, 35 pro Justin Fields. But overall, Jet fans are stoked for um, Zach Wilson. Um, you know, missing out on Trevor Lawrence was kind of like a bummer for them. But now seeing Zach Wilson and seeing some of his highlights and seeing some of his throws and watching some of the film, Jets, fan, Jets fans are like really, really, really excited for him. They've already tried to come up with some nicknames. Um, <laughs> I forgot one of the nicknames that they gave, but I told them try again because it was really, really bad. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're like really, really excited about him. Like when I'm excited, I'm talking about excited. Like sometimes I have to really be careful what I tweet about Zach Wilson because I don't want a whole bunch of Jets fans attacking me because I may say something like, Oh, I like this throw that Justin Fields made. Um, you know, and then someone, like, well, what about Zach Wilson? Well, what about this throw? I'm like, just take it easy. I like Zach too. <laughs> so. And, like, if you flipped a coin and had either guy, it feels like that'd be a great pick. Like, Justin Fields proven it, obviously, in, in it's different competition, and there's always that conversation. But I think as we've gone over the years, like, you don't have to play at a big school to make an impact in the league. We've seen plenty of guys who didn't play in the SEC for national championships or whatever. Like, the throws that Zach made and the development that he made this year, his ascension has been notable. When did he first get in on your radar because for us, it was like game five or six where we were like, oh, my gosh, this is something special from Zach. I think the Western Kentucky game where he made that throw where he's run up in the pocket and throws like, you know, that 
dart down the field and the receiver drops it. Um, I think that's why I was like, yo, who is this? <laughs> and, then, you know, I started paying a little bit more attention. And then I had a feeling because the way he plays, it looks like Aaron Rodgers. It looks like Patrick Mahomes. So I already knew everybody wants a Patrick Mahomes. Everybody wants an Aaron Rodgers that, you know, by the time we got to the draft, there would be a really good shot. He would go top five. And then once the whispers about Justin Fields started to come out, um, you know, some of those I don't, I don't really agree with, but um, I kind of know how the process goes. Once those whispers started to come out, once he had the bad, North, I mean, you know, the below average Northwestern game and he didn't play great against Indiana, um, I knew Zach Wilson had a great shot to be the number two quarterback. And that's where we are right now. New York Daily News Jets beat writer DJ Biena with us on BYU Sports Nation. You talked about the fan base reaction thus far. You say 65-35 pro Zach Wilson to Justin Fields. What's the overall reception been from the general consensus of the New York media to the idea of Zach Wilson being the next, next Jets quarterback? To be honest, I think the only person in the media in my area that's, I think, uh, leaning towards Justin Fields a little bit is probably me and maybe like a few other people. But for the most part, the media overall, we're, we're, we've all bought into Zach Wilson being the guy. And we all feel like he will do well because he's in a much better situation that than, than compared to Darnold that he was dealing with. But for overall, uh, we've all bought into it, and we think that he's a phenomenal talent. It was interesting to hear uh, from Zach in our weekly conversation as we lead up to the draft, what, uh, six weeks ago or something, Spencer, where – we said, is there a team whose system fits you? And he said, Niners. So Mike mm-hmm. LaFleur, passing game coordinator coming over, that feels like it's a fit. So what's the expectation in terms of kind of offense that's going to be run and system? Because that certainly matters. Uh, a dude's skill set is one thing, but that's got to fit together. Oh, 110% agree. Um, I've taken some NFL scouts, and majority of them have said that you know Zach Wilson fits the offense a lot better than a lot better than um, Justin Fields, just from some of the bootleg uh, play action stuff that they're going to be doing, just for some of the throws that he'll be required to make, um, some of the screen passes. Well, I mean, obviously both can make the screen passes, but overall, you know, boot act, um, play action boots, um, intermediate throws, and obviously Zach Wilson can rip it down the field. Um, and again, they're going to be in a run heavy offense. Well, not run heavy, but a run centric offense where they're going to um, run the ball pretty effectively and then allow Zach Wilson to use his athleticism to make plays um, off of the boots, um, you know, some of the intermediate throws. Because that's a lot of things that I watched that Jimmy Garoppolo had to make that Nick Mullins made, which allows their offense to be really, really dynamic in that aspect um, because they're always keeping the defense off balance. That's one thing that I really appreciate you know, enjoy watching uh, the Niners uh, offense. It's just overall just the amount of um, misdirection and how they always seem ahead of the defense. And again, Mike LaFleur has been with Kyle Shanahan since 2014 because he was an intern with the Browns when uh, Kyle Shanahan was the uh, offensive coordinator in 2014. And then obviously in 2016, he worked with him when, you know, Matt Ryan had his great year. And then obviously they went over to San Fran and, you know, you, you saw what the offense looked like with Jimmy Garoppolo when he was healthy. So overall, I really think that, you know, Zach Wilson can crush it in this offense. DJ Bien Amay, Jets beat writer with us on BYU Sports Nation. Again, we're all kind of just projecting like 99% that Zach Wilson is going to be the next guy in New York. So with that in right. mind, what can the general manager, Joe Douglas, do in this year's draft 
to help Zach Wilson succeed? What pieces does he need around him? Oh, so their offensive line, according to PFF, was rated 29th. Um, so they have to improve the offensive line, have to get a new running game, a better running game, because the returners, none of the running backs had over 300 yards um, from last year. The leader was Frank Gore. And some of that was Adam, the Adam Gates offense, which was putrid and terrible. But, um, you know, in this offense, the run attack will be heavily featured. So once they get uh, – I've thought about them getting Travis Etienne, maybe Javante Williams or Michael Carter from, you know, North Carolina – um, so those are some things that they have to do. The receiving core, believe it or not, I like it because, you know, you have Denzel Mims, uh, Corey Davis, who would have went over a thousand yards last year. Had he not caught COVID. He was fourth in the NFL and, um, play action yards behind the likes of Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Calvin Ridley and Stefan Diggs. So those, those are good names to be in a mix with. And, you know, and he was in a really, really run heavy offense that ran more than they passed. And he was still able to get almost a thousand yards. And he was playing off the society of A.J. Brown. So I feel like the receiving core, well, and they still have Jamison Crowder, who's a really, really good slot. So right. he's going to have good receiving weapons. So improved offensive line. I thought about them getting uh, Tim and Jenkins out of Oklahoma State or, you know, going with a running back in the second round. But overall, improving the offensive line. Um, so maybe. Creed Humphreys from Oklahoma or, um, you know, the offensive lineman out of uh, Notre Dame. I don't want to butcher his name, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but overall, you know, improving the offensive line and uh, improving the run game. Because we all know a good offensive line, good run game is going to make the quarterback's life a lot easier. It's going to give the receivers more time to throw. I mean, give receivers more time to get open on the throws. So, you know, though, those are some things that I think that they should look into. Okay, with the rookie quarterback starting, and that's the expectation, of course, if you're taking the guy in the top five, uh, what would be an acceptable win total for the Jets this year to the fan base? Acceptable? Um, I think as long as they look competitive and Zach Wilson flashes. If he if he flashes game in and game out, I think they'll be, as long as they can win four to five, maybe even six games, I think, you know, the fan base will be happy because um, Kyler Murray, his first year, the Cardinals didn't win that many games, but he looked really, really good. Yeah. He looked really dynamic, you know. So, which and Daniel Jones, um, even though people weren't really too high on that pick, he had a really good rookie year overall. Um, so as long as he flashes and shows promise, like because that's what Joe Burrow did in, in Cincinnati, they didn't win that many games, even though he got hurt. But in the games that he played, he looked really, really good. That's why you know there was some talk about will the Dolphins move on from Tua Tonga Valoa because. Yeah, he had some highs like against the Cardinals and against the Chiefs where he brought them back in the game in the fourth quarter. But then he also had some future performances against the Raiders and against um, the Broncos. So, like, and there was time where he just didn't flash as much. Granted, he was coming off an injury, but it's all about flashing as a rookie and showing promise, you know. Granted, as long as he doesn't look like Jared Goffrey's rookie year, um, I think, you know, the Jet fans overall, they'll, they'll, they'll be happy. Because Jet fans, they're pretty lenient when it comes to their rookie quarterbacks. As long as they show something, I mean, at one point, you know, they 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 love Geno Smith and they love Sam Darnold um, at first. It's by year two and three, that's when they're going to want to see more. But that rookie year, as long as you flash and show that potential, which I know Zach Wilson will because of his arm talent and his ability to play off script, um, I really, you know, I think the fan base will be patient and, you know, enjoy, you know, whatever Zach Wilson does as long as he shows promise, which he will. 
DJ, great to talk with you, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll be doing it again soon, especially if Zach ends up in New York. We're going to need somebody <laughs> to keep an eye on him out there. Thanks for the time. No problem. Thank you for bringing me on. You got it. New York Daily News Jets beat writer DJ Bien Amey on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Good insight into uh, the Jets. That was fun. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Jerem, I just asked you a yes or no question, so let's play yes or no. It's one of my favorite games. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Let's start here with an article from Doug Robinson out of the Deseret News. Okay. <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing here. Essentially asked the New York Jets not to draft Zach Wilson. <laughs> He doesn't want them to ruin another good quarterback. (laughs) Does Doug Robinson have a point? Should BYU fans be begging the New York Jets not to select Zach Wilson? No, that's no. Let's not do that. Let's not do the thing where Zach says he's not going to play for the Jets and then he's a prima donna. No, no. Listen, have the Jets had issues over a long period of... Yes, we've talked about it. Undoubtedly. They're not... The Browns are kind of coming out of their thing. Raiders aren't as worse as they used to be. They're better. So there's a lot of parody in the league. Jaguars, I don't know. Like, is Mark Brunel walking through that door? Yes, they had a run a couple years ago to the uh, championship game um, in the AFC. But, but they've got the urban legend. He hasn't done jack squat in the NFL. So we'll see what can happen, right? Um, does he have a point? Yes, but no, let's not be done. No, if, if Zach Wilson were going to the same exact scenario that Sam Darnold just left in New York with the head coach, but they fired the head coach. They brought in a culture guy, Robert Salt. Yeah, they got a new GM who's only in year two. He built a Super Bowl champion in Philadelphia three years ago. It wasn't like it was forever ago. They say they're committed to building things up around whoever the quarterback is, and we think it's going to be Zach Wilson. They weren't, but yeah. We're committed to not building around the quarterback. Now, this is not the year to be like, oh, please, New York Jets, don't draft Zach Wilson. Like, if they didn't fire the head coach, then maybe I'm clamoring for Zach Wilson to pull an Eli Manning in 2004 and be like, Which I, was don't, I don't want to go to the like Jets. Like a super prima dominant move. You don't want to be that guy. Well, it worked out for him, though. It worked out for Phillip Rivers in San Diego. Yeah, like the Chargers could have been awesome. That wasn't a bad situation. Yeah. Right? Chargers have been It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. But no, this is not the year to do that. I like the direction the Jets are headed. Maybe next year when, uh, after his rookie. Uh, did the Gonzaga Bulldogs losing associate head coach Tommy Lloyd to Arizona help BYU in any way? Maybe a little. I'm just shocked by this because I literally read two separate articles from the Spokane Review talking about how Tommy Lloyd is just waiting for Mark Few to retire so that he can become the next head coach of Gonzaga. Again, nothing's permanent. Like, that was discussed. It was determined. It was in his contract. Co- Contracts can be... But then oh. the... Go secure the bag at yeah, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still think when Mark Few retires, Tommy Lloyd's going to go to Gonzaga and be the next head coach there. Dude, well, Arizona's probably a better paying gig with a oh, is it? fight. Is it? How much money is Gonzaga paying Mark Few? Like, a lot, I would assume. I would think the Arizona's head coach would make more than Gonzaga's. We'll see. Um, but I think, but, it, I mean, he's he is one of the major recruiting boons 
in Gonzaga basketball. And yes. so this helps a little bit. Sure. I still think Gonzaga is going to be amazing top 10 because program, they're amazing. If not top five, right? Yeah. Uh, every year, Nick Saban loses his OC. They're fine. Every year, and they're fine. So I, I think that Gonzaga is going to but he, upward and onward. He, he, is, he is part of the pipeline. He is part of the international pipeline, though. Like, Tommy Lloyd does all of the international recruiting for Gonzaga. I would hope Mark has a few of those phone numbers in his uh, digital Rolodex. Or does Tommy not give them to him and say, no, I'm taking those with me to Arizona? Well, that's why Mark probably already has them. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, like he's probably not aloof, Yeah, I'm guessing. Maybe a little. Not that much. It helps a little, right? Yeah, does it mean BYU's going to win the West Coast Conference <laughs> now? No. They're cutting down the nets in Vegas, baby! Random, I have a piece of Gonzaga net. Yep. A couple years We're waiting for BYU to win a conference. That was just, it was just sitting there in Vegas, so I just took it. Yep, it was like it was, in, just, it was, in, the it was just in the hoop. In the hoop. It was just in the hoop. They were all gone. They had all they'd cut down most of the net, but they left a little but piece. But I will of the net. tell you something I stole from Nancy Eternal all the time. Mm. Was, there was just a sign on the door that said quiet please interviews uh-huh. progress. It's right there. Yep. It's on the set. It's right there. It's on the set, right behind us. Yeah. Just straight up stole it. Jimmer's <laughs> junior year. Just walked out with it. Quiet please, interview in progress. Yep. <laughs> Stole it. Straight Should stole you it. steal signs come, from the NCAA? Come, come yes at me. or no? Come at me. All good. The NCAA has been stealing a lot more than that for a long time. So it's all good. Yeah. My favorite edition of Yes or No ever. Does Jerem steal? Yes. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline from the lovely state of California currently is former BYU linebacker and NFL prospect Isaiah Kafusi. Isaiah, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you're vacationing there in California. And while we're on that topic, how was the couple's getaway to Idaho with Zach Wilson, Matt Bushman, Troy Warner, and all of these significant others? Yeah, it was great. It was great to get out. Uh, had, had a fun time up there in Idaho. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and, and, you know, just before life gets crazy, we want to just do a quick vacay um, and just be able to spend time with each other, have some fun. And it was, it was a blast. Um, I looked up the place, Airbnb. It was like five fifteen a night. So, did you guys split that divided by four, or did Zach just pay for everything? <laughs> <laughs> Should have made Zach just pay for everything. No. Uh, luckily, you know, we have a, a, a great friend who you know let us stay there for the night. Who owns it? And so, nice. Uh, shout out to Mike for that. But yeah, beautiful spot. Go check it out. Let's chat later about getting Mike's content. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about those connections. Isaiah Kafusi with us on BYU Sports Nation. It's been roughly three weeks, Isaiah, since your pro day performance. Now that you've had some time to look back on that, how do you feel like your performance in that very highly publicized pro day impacted your pro football aspirations? Uh, I think I did okay. I, I didn't test as well as I had been, um, so I was disappointed in, in, in some things, but uh, that's just kind of the nature of that pro day. You know, there's nerves and, uh, th- just so many different factors that go into that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you just go out there, you do your best. You might test, you know, not as well as you had wanted to, but, um, you know, you, I just moved forward, moved on from into the next drill. And so I thought I did, thought, thought I did a great job, you know, showcasing who I am, my skills and my abilities and, uh, really looking forward to just, you know, find, get, getting an opportunity and taking advantage of it. That's kind of one thing that I've always 
been able to do is just take an opportunity and run with it. What kind of feedback are you getting? Uh, what kind of interest is there in the possibility of you perhaps uh, in the later rounds or as a free agent? Yeah, I've had a lot of interest and in, in, in some good, really good feedback. Um, talked to a number of scouts and teams um, who have mentioned, you know, really good things about my pro day numbers, which I was surprised at. I, I probably was more of a critic of myself than anyone, you know, more critical on myself. And so, uh, you know, had some good feedback and, and have, had a number of chats with some teams and um, really just really excited and really confident in, in being able to get an opportunity. What do those teams and scouts like about your game and maybe what do they want you to work on as you try and transition into the NFL? Yeah, I think um, obviously, you know, some of the weaknesses and things that, that I need to work on are, you know, just the speed and the strength. Um, and, and some teams have mentioned, you know, gaining, you know, a little bit more weight. Uh, putting on some more muscle and, and, you know, things like that. But there are also teams on the other side of the spectrum that really like, you know, my speed, really like, you know, that I'm a little bit lighter, taller, longer. And so um, those are just, you know, the, the Fred Warners of the game now. I mean, he's changed the game and kind of the linebacker position. And so people really like that, that I'm, I'm similar to Fred, that, you know, we move this, you know, similarly and, um, you know, I was able to learn under Fred, so I, I was able to kind of see how he played and, and adopt, uh, you know, some of the his play style. Um, obviously, he's one of the greatest linebackers in the league right now. And, uh, you know, I always just trying to learn, you know, from him and kind of just get like tidbits here and there of of how he plays. So that's, I think, something that plays to my advantage. It's fun to see what BYU can do at the next <laughs> level, Isaiah, because a few years ago, Taysom Hill undrafted free agent, but now he could be the starter in New Orleans. A guy like Fred Warner, like you mentioned. Then, of course, the ascension of Zach Wilson is one of the greatest sports stories of the last decade for BYU football. So what's it been like to see and and hope to take advantage yourself of this like positive momentum uh, wave from BYU of, listen, Fred Warner might be the best linebacker in the league. Zach Wilson's going to be the number two pick. Taysom Hill's maybe going to be a starter in the league. What is that like as a player trying to make your own uh, mark from BYU? Well, it's very encouraging um, in, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, just to see guys you know, like Danny Sorensen, who, you know, undrafted special teamer, works his tail off. And, and now he's, you know, established himself as a great football player. And, uh, you know, guys like Taysom, you know, I, I was able to see Taysom kind of go, you know, attack these hurdles that were just thrown at him. And, and you know, there's the, the BYU guys in the league, I think, have created a great reputation for just BYU in general, uh, kind of the, the men who, that we are and also the football players. You know, people around the league know who they're going to get when they draft or when they bring on someone who's played at BYU. So just very encouraging and uh, really excited to just, you know, get out there and, and give it my all and uh, just see where it goes. You talked about your physical attributes. One of the attributes that's often highlighted for you uh, is the leadership and the ability for you to create great culture and help the locker room out. Was that something that scouts and teams knew about and discussed with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know it was one of my great, one of my greatest uh, achievements and honors was you know being selected team captain. So that's always come up, and um, and, and just was just very blessed to be a part of that team and, and be selected team captain by my teammates. Um, I've just always tried to do what's right uh, and, and do what's asked of me. And so I think naturally when you do those two things, you'll just 
you know, naturally maybe become a leader and you're naturally in the, in the light, but um, it, it has come up. And I think teams are very pleased with, with that. Former BYU linebacker, NFL hopeful Isaiah Kafusi with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's say you're in a job interview with any of the 32 NFL teams and naturally you're doing it over Zoom and they say, okay, if we give you a contract, what type of player are we going to get? How do you respond to that question? Yeah, that's a great question and, and I have been asked that and I think I respond by this. I just say, look, you're going to get one of the smartest football players out there. Uh, and not necessarily the smartest, uh, and I'm not going to come in and be the smartest football IQ, but I'm willing to learn and willing to understand and and be coachable and teachable. Uh, And then I'm also a football player that just makes plays. Um, I I find a way to get to the ball, whether that's, you know, creating, you know, forcing a fumble, recovering a fumble, uh, you know, interceptions, sacks, whatever, you know, I just find a way to get to the ball and make plays. And Uh, that's one thing that I feel like I'm just naturally good at and and one thing that I've also had to work really hard at. Did you get asked anything weird? Because traditionally with like the (laughs) NFL comment, it's like, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Like anything (laughs) crazy like that? And not that I can recall that all my interviews have been pretty, pretty easy. Uh, But I I have heard those weird questions that they (laughs) ask, like, I don't know if it's the psychology of you know how you would answer, but I've I've heard of them. So, what kind of tree would you be? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Coconut tree. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, fantastic stuff from Isaiah Kafusi. I do want to ask your opinion about what's left behind at BYU <laughs> while you're still somewhat connected to the program, because. You played directly with a bunch of the guys that are going to come back and be the core of that BYU defense. So how would you explain what makes up the BYU linebackers for 2021? What do they have in the tank still? Yeah, I, I think uh, the best is yet to come for, for those guys. I think, um, you know, the last few years, what we've seen from the linebacker core it has been great, but I think that the best is, is to come. Um, really experienced room with a great coach. You know, I know Coach Clune is going to, do fantastic things with that linebacker group. And, uh, you know, just just the way he coaches and the way he's able to connect with us in a, in a way that we're not really used to, you know, it's he's kind of a, a different coach, you know, and just kind of brings in a different style. And so uh, really excited about those guys, you know, Peyton Keen and kind of leading the way. And, and my brother, you know, has come a long way and, and really excited about him, you know, and, and can't wait for him to recover because I know his potential. And so, uh, really excited. You know, I know Ben Bywater has been getting a little bit of reps here and there. His shoulders feeling pr- pretty good and uh, Drew Jensen. So, you know, I, I think there's, I, I think, you know, the legacy of the linebacker, you know, coming through BYU, I think it'll continue with these, this group. That's the one position at BYU the most where I go, I don't even need to know the names. They're going to be awesome. Like I, I every yeah. year the linebackers are good, which is fantastic. Um, but we do like to know the names as well. Okay, you you went through a gnarly situation where you you almost didn't even play the bowl game because you were so banged up. How did you how did you get through that? And then how you doing now, man? Yeah, I, uh, great. I feel really good. Um, that was you know one of the most interesting things. You know, I, after the San Diego State game, I was feeling really good and had had a little hip flexor injury you know, here and there would just kind of seize up on me after games. And I would just do treatment throughout the week and be totally fine. But after that San Diego State game, 
you know, I woke up and I thought everything was fine. I woke up in the morning and I couldn't walk. I couldn't extend my leg. Um, it, it was really, it was crippling. I mean, my leg was just like sewn in a certain position. I couldn't extend it or, or bend it. And so, um, uh, was really weird Went in the training room and luckily, you know, I, I the treat, the training room and the, the weight room staff, you know, did a great job helping me recover. Um, went, went through some excruciating pain, I think, to really get it back, um, that fast and that, you know, was able to play in the bowl game, which I was even on game day was doubtful. Um, but it was a miracle, I think, and, and really was very fortunate. Um, that game kind of, you know, kind of, there was a sequence sequence of events that that game, you know, ended up, my agent ended up being there and, and, you know, I had kind of spotlighted me that game and, I was very fortunate to be able to to play in that game and, and to eventually, you know, go out on, on a win in my last career game. So was lucky enough to, to play in that. Eight tackles, second most on the team in the game. Let's go. Yes, Isaiah Kafusi on BYU Sports just, Nation. Just find a way. Absolutely. And that's what you said earlier in the interview. You just, if you're given an opportunity, you'll make the most of it. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for whatever opportunities are granted to you uh, through the NFL draft. Go get it done, man. Great to have you with us. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Love Cougar Nation. Always. Isaiah Kafusi on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We already talked about Pat McAfee mentioning Russell Wilson impersonating Zach Wilson, but with pads on. He also featured a former NFL touchdown receiving leader in 2012, James Jones of the Green Bay Packers, who caught touchdown passes from Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers on his show. James Jones said the following on the Pat McAfee show, quote, I think the best QB in this draft when it's all said and done is Zach Wilson. Okay. I watched this dude and I saw his pro day and the way he flicks this ball and the flick of the wrist and the arm angles. He can throw this ball. It's got Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers written all over it. I just think this kid right here, when it's all said and done, when their careers are over, we're going to be looking back and saying he was the best quarterback in this draft, end quote. Mm. A lot of people have spoken very highly of Zach Wilson, but for me... It was a different level to hear from a guy who played with and caught touchdown passes from two of the all-time greats, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So for James Jones to compare Zach Wilson to those guys and say he's going to be the best quarterback in the draft is something. Do you think five years from now, Jerem, that James Jones will be right and Zach Wilson is going to be the best quarterback in this draft? He could be. Like If he's the number two pick, why couldn't he be? Right? He's absolutely in the mix. Just because you're not number one doesn't mean you won't be number one, right? Um, Zach Wilson, and I've said this for a while now, does some things better than Trevor Lawrence. And those things have been on display. Yep. Uh, and people are talking about it. And it's, and it's not about the schedule, and it's not about even his freshman and sophomore years. It's about what have you done for me lately? And Zach Wilson, and there are a few people who have called it. Cam Miller has called it. Jake Keeps a couple years ago said he's a first-round talent. And I was like, wow, that's quite the statement. And here we are that Zach Wilson isn't just first-round talent. He's top-five talent. He's top-three talent, which is just fun to watch this ascension for brother Zacharias F. Wilson to go from 
is he going to be the starting quarterback last year conversation? To which we were like, no, 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 he's the starter. He's the starter. To, to oh my gosh, he's going to be the second pick in the draft? So, yes, in five years, he might be the best quarterback. Sure, why not? If you're the number two pick, you absolutely have a chance at that. I think people hesitate to answer this question and just agree with James Jones because Zach Wilson is more than likely going to end up with the New York Jets, and that is causing people well, Trevor all Lawrence types is with the of hesitation. True, but there are other talented quarterbacks that could also be the answer to this question. Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Is it one of those guys that's in five years from now is going to be the greatest quarterback to come out of this draft class? I'm going to go on record right now and say that Zach Wilson, five years from now, is going to be the best quarterback in this draft class. Some shocking opinions from the BYU guys here. I'm, listen, it's not, <laughs> it's not just me. You said might. I'm saying straight up James Jones yeah. is right. Yeah. He's right. Joe Douglas, the general manager for the New York Jets, was the guy that put together the roster for the Philadelphia Eagles in their Super Bowl run in 2018 with Carson Wentz, and then Nick Foles comes in and finishes off the deal in the Super Bowl. He's in year two with the Jets. I like what he can do as a general manager. Robert Sala is a culture guy. And I, as hard as it will be for BYU fans to accept that Zach Wilson's going to end up with the Jets and the dumpster fire that that franchise has been for the past decade, I feel like things are changing. And Zach Wilson is going to be part of the change. He's going to instigate let's some of so. this positive change. Yeah, let's hope so. Right now, it's just all talk. People say, oh, it's just going to be the next Sam Darnold. Don't go to the Jets. Don't ruin another potentially great quarterback. Things are different for Zach Wilson than they were for Sam Darnold, clearly. just one, it, Darnold had one year with Joe Douglas, and Joe Douglas said, you know what? You're not our guy. So he's shipping him out. And that's okay. They want Zach Wilson. I like that they're Found all in cuter. on Zach Wilson. <laughs> the latest Disney star, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll get to that later. Yeah. But I think, uh, yes, I think Zach Wilson's going to prove James Jones right. Five years, he's going to be the best quarterback when we look back on this draft class. Okay, we're going to have five years. Yep. Last night, the Phillies beat the Braves 7-6. Controversial play at the plate. It, it, it went to review. There's no way... That that call was correct. They said, uh, you know, the runner, uh, Alec Bohm, didn't touch home plate, or did touch home plate. He didn't. He didn't. Darno got him at the plate, right? Five different angles confirmed this. So, what's the biggest missed call in BYU Sports history? Because that was, that was a, Major League Baseball freaked out last night. Oh, yes, rightfully so. What's the point of replay if you're not going to overturn the oh, call? You don't have to tell me twice. Men's volleyball. Sometimes I'm like, I, uh, I say that once a match. I go, I completely disagree with that. I go, serious? <laughs> Man, this brings up a lot of mostly negative memories. <laughs> the first oh, one that geez. came to mind was Brandon Bradley uh, in 2010 against hey. Utah. The Utes are ranked. Jake keeps his freshman starting on the road. Interception. His knee was clearly down. And if that call is upheld, or sorry, uh, overturned. Unfortunately, we have video of this. Then BYU wins the game. His knee is down before the ball is strapped. But they rule that Utah recovers, and then the Utes go on to win the game. Late BYU controversy. They could have made a field goal yes. to win as well. Yes. Let's not uh, lose That's sight of true. that. That's true. They okay. could have blocked on the outside. Okay. That, that one right. is a killer. All right. All right. Let's get past that one because I hate that one. Um, oh, here we are. Just yeah, going to slow-mo yeah. just to kind of drive the This is HD, home. too. There's no the mountain excuse here. His knee okay. is down! Right, right there! 
All right, let's. Oh, gosh, I wish it was clearer. Uh, 2000, Buick got away with one. Okay. Mm. Luke Staley on the drive, Lavelle's The Miracle. You know, Brandon Doman and Luke Staley. Luke Staley fumbles the ball. He just does. If review is used then, mm-hmm. that's a fumble and Utah wins and Lavelle finishes on a loss to Utah. Oh, called one in favor of BYU. BYU. They missed a call that went BYU's way. Uh-huh. Okay, sometimes that happens. I think when you hear missed calls, you just think the negative one automatically, right? <laughs> there are positive missed calls. Uh, okay, back to the negative. Uh, tw- <laughs> 2014. Oh. BYU's at UCF. You're standing in the end zone, this I think, hurts. on this one. Yes. Jordan Leslie is clearly interfered with and in overtime. and they This don't, was so bad. They don't call this. They don't call. There's contact before the ball's even there. Jordan Leslie can't believe it. He's going to put it on his IG story today about it. He's living his best life. Yeah, he's th- being held like two seconds before the ball oh, arrives. And this was a Skycam game, Spence. Ah, oh. oh. Skycam, brutal. So yeah, BYU gets burned. Yeah, look, in Orlando. look, 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 look at, all over him. How is seven years later? I'm not happy what? about it. Still, what? Let's go back to 2008 BYU basketball. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good one. Arizona State, James Harden. The beard. Pre-beard. Okay. Charles Abuel makes a shot at the buzzer for BYU. Amazing tip back. Amazing tip in. BYU wins the game. They upset nationally ranked Arizona State and James Harden. But the officials decide to wave off the basket. Okay, because they're – and Gregory Bell talked about this because he knows the rule book, man. Um the, the clock is one thing, and the red uh, you know, light in the backboard is another, and they were not on the same frame. They were one frame off. Oh. And so the refs looked at the wrong one. I can't remember whether it was the, uh, you know, the red in the backboard or the clock Naturally, they looked the, at the wrong one that hurts BYU. You'd think the clock would be the number one? <laughs> um, that one stings because yeah. BYU should have won that game. Like, yeah. they, beat Ari- they beat Arizona State. They won the that game. That was going to be a big win. <sighs> and that was on the same day as the Vegas Bowl in Arizona. Uh, or, or against Arizona. And I didn't think they'd have that game on up in the booth. Yeah. So I called KSL and I said, can you just put me on hold so I can hear uh-huh. the game? This is pre-app, like app, you know, <laughs> where you can just listen to everything. So I'm sitting there in the stands at, at, in Vegas listening to this on the phone just so I can hear it. And Greg's, Greg's not there. It's Mark Durant and Russ Larson, I think, calling it. So I wander upstairs after... And find out, well, the game was on in the press box the whole time. Oh, no. So why was I sitting there on (laughs) the phone like an idiot? Uh, One more, 2005. And this happened right in front of my eyes. Yeah, yeah. BYU-TCU, overtime Mm -hmm. game. 51-50, the Horned Frogs rally back. Their player fumbles the ball out of bounds at the goal line, and it goes into the end zone. I mean, it literally happened right in front of me. Okay. So if that happens, typically it's a touchback, and you can see the BYU players right there saying, no, 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 no. He fumbled the ball into the end zone and then out of bounds. It should be a touchback. It's, uh, who, who, who strips it there? Corby Hodgkiss? Who, it, I, don't, I don't know who it was. Uh, Justin Robinson pleading there. I, like, later you get smart, and, like, where's the cart cam shot on the goal line where you can actually see? You know what I mean? It's Luke Garote. Justin Luke Garote. Justin Luke Garote, who lived three doors down from me in my first place at BYU. Like, the ball comes out before he's over the goal line, before, it hits the, before the nose hits the goal line. And, again, the angle is terrible. Can we see you? But I'm right there. Oh, you're right there. There you are, Spence. By the third down marker. Yes. Oh, that's you. The back of your head. That's me. The back of your head is ridiculous. Yes. 
and, and I'm like, what? Wait, wait, wait what? They, they, the call stands? Oh, you. Yeah, you're jumping up and down. I'm not. I'm trying but, really sir, hard not to sir, cheer in that can you moment. you maintain some okay? decorum here So, on the fun sideline? fact, that was the first football game at BYU I was on the sideline for. Very first one. And that happened. And, and, that was, and now you're not even on the sideline. You're, <laughs> you're uh, in the, on our set. <laughs> Just kidding. It's true. <laughs> So yeah, that, a lot that, of mis- hey, we could play this game all day, the blame that, game. That know? one was was rough. This is great sports talk radio topic, right? Isn't it? Uh, seriously. Ah. Everyone's got a, a play they're like, eh. But to your point, not everyone is against BYU. Right. Some are four. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. We tend to forget those a little more because they're convenient. <laughs> well, we don't want to bring them up because we don't want to rile up the other fans. <laughs> I want to rile up Utah fans. Luke Staley fumbled. We got to win yeah. with it, man. Well, and there's a story there between Ron McBride and Luke Staley as well. Ron, we heard a funny, <laughs> expletive-filled story from Ron McBride. Pro BYU. At least one of those things was good. No, I, I, saw, I said mostly negative right, right. feelings, I not saw, all. I saw and talked to Ron three weeks ago, by the way, randomly. Okay. Anyway. Okay. The Utah Warriors game. Fantastic. Yeah. Great BYU football pro prospect. We asked SB Nation's Cam Miller, and the guy who let out on the hype train for Zach Wilson before anybody Loved him first. was saying that Zach Wilson was an NFL guy. We asked him, okay, now that Zach's gone, and a number of other very talented players, who's the next great BYU football pro prospect? And he said, I don't need any time at all to think about this. It's Peyton Wilgar, and right now, I would take him on day two. Wow. So, Meaning second or third round? Yeah. There's some real confidence in Peyton Wilgar. Jeremy, I'm going to ask you the same question. Ask it. Who is the next best BYU football pro prospect? There are several, and uh, Peyton is certainly up there, uh, if not the best. Uh, I think Isaac Rex is an intriguing prospect. Um, and I don't know that I have a next best, like just a single guy. I've got a group, um, so we'll talk about him in a sec. But let's lead out with Isaac Rex. What a freshman year he had, right? Double-digit touchdown catches, uh, really capable and good target in the end zone. Someone has to catch passes, and it was Isaac Rex in the end zone to lead the way for BYU. Kind of... Stepped into that match, Bushman spot. Bushman had struggled scoring touchdowns mm-hmm. in his career. Had, what, six, I think, in, in those three seasons. But was super short-handed. Isaac Rex doesn't drop the ball, blocks well, elite hands. Uh, I, Isaac Rex is a guy that he's not going to come out after this next year, although he could. He's been out of high school over three years, right? Um, but he had a tremendous year. He's one of several guys who I think – when Isaac's done at BYU, whether that's in two or three years, uh, or three or four, um, is an intriguing prospect. I've got a list as well, but I think at the top probably stands BYU center James Empey. I thought that Jim Empey. he might come out of BYU this year, but he got banged up end of the season. and He didn't have maybe, a great season. Yeah, maybe his yeah. stock dropped a little bit, but pro, a good season. pro football focus was really high on him. His numbers were very before, solid before, before the year. this year. They weren't saying the same things after this right. year about him. I think he has the capability to yeah. reestablish himself again against a Power 5 schedule, be the guy. So I like James Empey a lot coming off that revamped BYU offensive line. If not James, I agree with Cam Miller. Peyton Wilgar is so good in his pass game coverage at yep. linebacker, that will translate nicely to the NFL. And he's, he's big. About James, so his ankle injury certainly slowed him down, like literally and, and pun intended there. But um, hopefully he has a big year because he was, yeah, as you mentioned, one of the highest rated centers. He was the highest rated center. Coming into in the season. football coming into 2020. Yes. Um, now the, the uh, you know, 
the schedule ramps up, so it's it's harder for sure. Peyton's intriguing too because he's like six three two forty. Like he is NFL size already. He's rangy, and he led the Middle team in interceptions type. in 2019 with three. Yeah, one of those notably against USC. That was a big one. So yeah, Peyton Wilgar is a guy that you'd think would get drafted and kind of continue that BYU linebacker you kind of thing. Other guys in the mix. I think Puka Nakua down the line is going to be one that's okay. interesting. Um, Ryan Rico is a Ooh. punter. No one wants to talk about a punter, Spence. But Ryan Rico had an NFL-type punting season. Like, well, he Dave was McCann un- wants to talk about punters. <laughs> yes, he does. Why factor pick? Um, <laughs> Ryan Rico was incredible. Perhaps the most underrated player on the team last year. Because he was the most underused player on the team last barely, year. Barely used, right? Right? Um, you know, like, like a Clippers on a bald man. But uh, Tyler Algier as well. Tyler Algier had a 1,000-yard season. Big, physical running back, fast, which is awesome. Now, Tyler did not have a great game against Houston, which was one of the bigger games of the season. So he's, he's going to have a chance to prove himself against mm. a different type of schedule. But what the step he took forward was massive. And I'm excited about Tyler. I don't think he has a 1,000-yard year against the schedule, but I think he gets to the 800 mark. And the real important mark will be against seven power fives, can he be four and a half yards per carry plus? That's the hope. A lot of people compare him to Harvey Unga, and that's a great compliment. But he's not as Different. big as Harvey. No. He's a little faster yes. and more explosive than Harvey Don't is at the line Harvey, of scrimmage. Though. Harvey was incredible at making Everything. guys miss gr- tackles and Bruiser. running over dudes. Bruiser. Great hands. Yes, incredible yep. hands. Tyler's a little more shifty, a little quicker, and word has it, while BYU had their pro day set up in place, Tyler was clocked running a 4-3-9. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. So he, he would certainly get a look at that point. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is one of the most recent national champions at BYU. She is the team captain of the always talented and wonderful Cougarettes. Her name is Abby Arnett. Abby, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. 20 total national titles for the Cougarettes. So is it safe to call this a dynasty now? Have we reached that point? (laughs) I mean, we talk a lot about a Cougarette legacy, and it is kind of a lot to live up to. So some might argue that, yeah. Uh, there's no argument. It just is. Okay? <laughs> it is. Um, it is. <laughs> I, I think when you guys got to like six, uh, it probably was that. Um, so tell us about this particular competition at Nationals in Daytona Beach where you guys again win the hip-hop competition. What did it take to win, and uh, how did you guys uh, pull off the performance you did again? Kind of intense competition. We didn't have as many schools there as we usually do, but still the same competition. Um, we competed in both jazz and hip-hop, so tough competition. We took the second-place trophy home in jazz, which we are proud of, and then the hip-hop trophy we're obviously very proud of. Um, but it was fun. I think the one bummer was that there were not as many crowds. Sure, and you know that uh, definitely adds to the energy of it all. Certainly you've been feeling that 
much of this season based on no fans or limited fans in the stands. So how do you create the energy that you need to go out and perform at a high level when there aren't the usual crowds that you're used to performing for? I think it came from just the team unity. We, as you all know, have had very limited performances and nationals was kind of questionable up until a few months before we weren't sure if we were able to go. So I think being able to just be there made us hyped and we were ready to go. Yeah. And and we've talked about that throughout the athletic department was the challenge of, you know, unique practice circumstances, COVID testing, the whole deal, travel and different restrictions in different areas across the country and the competition. So how, how often could you guys practice and, and prepare for this one compared to what's normal? Yeah, so we were lucky. We still got our normal practice times. We just, the things that we didn't get, we didn't have in-person choreographers at all, which we normally do. They normally come twice a year. So that was a bit of a challenge. We did it all over Zoom. And once this pandemic is over, I'm never touching Zoom again. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. I don't know that. With you over Zoom. (laughs) Right. Right. Abby Arnett with us on BYU Sports Nation. For the record, we can't wait to have uh, you and all the athletes uh, back in studio be with us. Holy cow. So we we feel you there with some frustration. Uh, You're talking about the COVID parameters and just how – challenging and difficult everything has been does that make this national championship maybe a little bit more special if so why it definitely does we every year on cougars have a theme that kind of summarizes our year and this year we chose resilience as our theme and taking home a national title was kind of the cherry on top so i think it shows that we were resilient and like any other team we bounced back and fought even harder to Get the win. Who's the uh, next closest competition? Who's like the rival in uh, you know hip hop against the Cougarettes? Louisville. Mm-hmm. It's been that way forever, hasn't it? Yep, the Ladybirds. Okay, okay. oh the okay. Ladybirds. Like, do you guys talk with them? Are you friendly? Are you not friendly? We try. <laughs> I say hello, good luck. It's not necessarily reciprocated. <laughs> Okay. okay. Hey, that's a compliment because you've dominated them for so long. Are, are, do, like, did they win? Who won in jazz? Is there, like, did they win in jazz? Does it go back and forth? No, luckily. Texas Tech won in jazz, which we're still a little bit mad about, but mm. okay. they're a good team. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's talk about hip hop specifically, too, because I, I think that the perception of BYU and, frankly, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Saints is like, when you guys show up, you guys just smash preconceived notions about who BYU is and what BYU is, right? It's like, whoa, 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 they can dance. And if people have paid attention, obviously, you guys and what you've done for years, the videos you've collaborated with Cosmo that have gone viral, I feel like you guys do a lot for the PR of not only the church, but BYU. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely helps our competitive edge. We kind of go into competitions with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, like, yeah, we're Mormon girls that can dance. So... It's fun that way. Absolutely. And we're seeing some of the highlights now. Just incredible, incredible performance uh, in Daytona Beach. How much training is required before the dance is ready for nationals? So typically we learn the hip-hop dance in January-ish. And it was kind of pushed back because our choreographer was supposed to come in. And then we had a girl get COVID. 
So we ended up doing it over Zoom late January and then clean it, perfect it, get it ready come April. Tell us about what it takes to be the captain of this group. Um, every team needs a captain. That includes Cougarettes. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's, I mean, it's a good time. I like the connection with the coaches and the team. You get kind of an inside look and you get a lot of different perks from it, I guess. So the captain of, you know, the football or the basketball team, or whatever, is like a coin toss or you meet the other team before uh, kind of deal. So what, what are your, what's your role on like uh, the day you dance uh, that would be similar, if anything? I'm the hype girl. Oh, okay. 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 So, give us a sense of you know what you're doing before you guys go out and perform. You're the you're the voice of the motivation right before. Yeah. Usually we have a warm up, and then they this year was kind of weird. We warmed up, and then they took us to a different location to perform. And so we while we were on deck, I kind of was the hype girl. Tried to circle everyone up and get everyone ready to go. Are there, is that like a certain message that you had prepared or is it in the moment? <laughs> it's in the moment usually, whatever I'm yeah. feeling. Nice. Well, Abby, I mean, you're very even keel, very calm right now. So you being the hype person is, is entertaining for us. Does this involve like a lot of volume and screaming in each other's faces? No, I mean, I am kind of have a hoarse voice because I have yelled a lot. But... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I normally don't lose my voice, so maybe that's your answer. Oh, I hey, love Abby, it so much. Excited. Abby, I want a demonstration here. So you're with us in the hallway. We're about to do the show. You know, it's right before 10 a.m. What's like a simple message you would give us to like get us to perform well? Um, I would normally start, I'm big on mental toughness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so I would normally start with something along the lines of, you know what to do. We practiced it. And one of our goals on the team was just to go out on the floor and do what we've practiced and not let any outside factors inhibit that. I love so it. So I would hide people up, tell them that they know they're good and just to go kill it. So I should turn off TweetDeck then and Twitter. I should close that. <laughs> Don't look then. at social media <laughs> right now. <laughs> at some point, Dr. Craig Manning, who is an incredible mental health coach, is not going to be doing this, Abby. So if you want to hop in on that train, maybe you should talk to Dr. Manning. How do you feel about that? I mean, he's talked to us a couple times, and a lot of our stuff that we use is from him. So we're lucky to have him. We would be remiss not to ask the final question, which is this. Who made who? The Cougarettes or Cosmo? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question, and I have never thought of that before. I feel like Cosmo gets the hype on this one. Okay. We love him. It. Awesome. See, that's the mark of a true captain, isn't it, Jerem? Like, yes. Just pump, pumping yep. uh, yes. the others. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. Lifting others, leading, I mean, motivating. We gave him the moves. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yes. That's extreme yes. ownership right there. Yeah. I love it. No, and, and that's honestly, that's a special relationship, right? Like what you guys have been able to do together has been pretty awesome. And let, let's be honest, BYU goes viral every year for something. The most predictable thing is a Cosmo dance with you guys. We love it. 
Abby, congratulations again. Uh, 20th national championship. The dance was remarkable. We're so glad that you're back safely with the hardware. Best of luck at finals. In fact, uh, we give out BYU Sports Nation karma, typically to athletes that come on the show that are still competing. You're done. You won the championship, so take the karma and use it for finals now. I will take it. All four of my finals could use a little bit of good luck. Let's go. Good luck. Good luck. Abby, thanks for the time. Thank you. She is the captain of the Cougarettes, Abby Arnett, on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Most dominant program on campus. Her last Zoom interview ever. <laughs> I think we're still using Zoom instead of the old phone call later, you know? Maybe not with I don't Abby. blame her. I'm never touching Zoom again. Uh, I, I don't blame the students, man. They're oh, my goodness. Everyone's life. Jeez. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Serving Utah since 1968, let's bring in the third voice of the program, Ben Bagley. By yourself, the fact that Rich Eisen says less than 1% of Jet fans have seen BYU play this season. Well, I buy the idea, but I sell the, the logic. Uh, highlights on the internet? Yes. How many BYU fans watch Jet games? Uh, <laughs> same percentage, right? But it, you can go back and watch highlights. Well, that, but even in the moment, I still think Jets fans were watching, especially on Labor Day night, because nobody else was playing, and BYU was playing Navy with Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit on the call. So I'm guessing that a good deal of Jets fans, football fans in general, saw at least that game. And then when BYU started to go on a run, you're telling me that when BYU went to Coastal Carolina, that Jets fans and football fans in general weren't dialed into, oh man, BYU. you Yes, like, they, they make the trip. It's ESP, It's college game day. Well, I don't care it's, if... I'm I don't, selling on I that. don't care if it's 1%. There are highlights. I would say 100% of Jets fans have seen highlights of Zach Wilson. Oh, yes. By now, absolutely. <laughs> right. Number two. By or sell the Jets being able to put enough talent around Zach Wilson this season to double their win total from last <laughs> season from two. I think if it's only four wins, uh, Jet fans <laughs> bye, are going to be bye, really, bye. Yeah, are gonna be really upset. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence that they're going to surrender. It starts with the offensive line. If you can't have a decent offensive that that O-line is bad. They've got an all-pro left tackle protecting the blind side. So they've got something there protecting Zach Wilson's blind side. Other than that, they have some serious gaps yeah. to fill. And the, yes, they signed Corey Davis, but Corey Davis hasn't had a thousand yard season like he almost did last year. But he he's not the he's not as what they were hoping he would be in Tennessee, and now now he's there. Jamison Crowder's a good receiver. Yeah, Denzel, Denzel Mims, right? Um, they just signed Tevin Coleman, who's like a washed up guy from the Niners and Falcons from before, but. I am not confident they're going to surround him with enough talent to... Uh, win four well, well, games? Well, to win four, yes. Okay. I'm okay. talking to do something oh, that man. matters. Winning four games doesn't matter. <laughs> Come on. If they, win, if they only win four, they're going to be ticked. I'm happy if the Jets win six games. Six is a Seriously, step in the right direction. going from two to six with a rookie yes. quarterback yes. starting right out of college? Yeah, get to six wins. Uh, I Yes, I am buying 100% that they have enough draft picks and yes. talent That's to help Zach Wilson get to four wins. That's a low bar. Ten picks this year. they got five in the top 90 this year and 21 total over the next two years. The Jets have some moving pieces, and 
Robert Sala is a culture guy. Give him time. Like it, it's going to be a winning good. guy too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, buy it. Let's go. Number three. Buy or sell the best missed call of the weekend being the missed call at home plate to win the BYU baseball game. Uh, <laughs> always, always good to win either way. Sure. Over the weekend? Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, Bye. so here's the thing. So backstory, okay? Jacob Wilk, who's the first baseman for BYU and a designated hitter, he doesn't get the call from his coach, Mike Littlewood, at third base to show bunt late. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so he's swinging away. And Mike Littlewood's like, well, what is he doing? And he's like, oh, I guess that'll work. I'm guessing Mike said something else. Yeah, he hits the ball off the wall in left field because he missed the call from his coach. That's hilarious. Instead of no, bunting. Now that's a missed call. It works out, right? Another one. Positive things for BYU. Yeah, that's I'm buying that. That's the best missed call. Yeah. At least over the weekend. <laughs> really, over the weekend. <laughs> what were the others again? Time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing as we take a look back at the top five plays from the BYU women's volleyball regular season. NCAA tournament coming up Thursday. Let's go. Number five, March 31st versus Santa Clara. Whitney Bauer saves it off the net. Aaron Livingston gets the block to win the point. BYU would go on to get the sweep in the final game of the regular season. Bauer ends up being named the WCC Player of the Year. March 17th. At San Diego for number four, Grace Wee will start things off with a great dig. Abby Dayton dives in for the pancake. Taylor Ballard-Nixon will finish off the point eventually with the block. BYU wins the match in San Diego, three sets to one. This was a dynamite performance by BYU and a needed one in their pursuit of another conference title. Hopefully San Diego can get some lights in the gym next year. Number three, March 20th, home versus San Diego. Whitney Bauer, multiple diving saves to win the point, the first of which is into the scores table. Look at that Woo! hustle. Kate Grimmer and Leilani Dodson combined for the block to finish the point. The rally lasted 38 seconds. 38-second rally. Well, just wait. Holy hell. Slow-mo dive, baby. Yeah, Whitney. Great hustle. Number two, March 30th, Santa Clara. Watch Maddie Allen with just a silly dig to start. Then Whitney Bauer will get in on the defensive fund shortly thereafter, only to have Kate Grimmer finish things off with a big-time kill. BYU sweeping Santa Clara three sets to none. Holes featuring Shia LaBeouf and Matt And the top play of the regular season from women's volleyball came February 4th at Utah Valley. This was number four in SportsCenter's top ten that night. Three straight diving digs from Maddie Allen. There's oh. two. There's what? three. Scott Sterling-esque minus the shots to the face. Leilani Dotson finished it off with a kill. This ended up being, and before this, a 67-second incredible, Incredible. (laughs) Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. And it is time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. What was the most impressive thing about women's volleyball sweep over UCLA in the second round of the NCAA tournament? 
staving off seven set points in set number two. BYU was down 23-18 in that set. Came back to take it. In fact, they erased... uh, They were down 24-21. Another deficit even later. That's right. So, I mean, just seven set points for UCLA. They couldn't close it out. That, to me, was the most impressive individual piece of that sweep. Uh, 16 blocks in three sets. That's the most since 2015 for BYU. So, just blocking everything. UCLA hit 115. Listen, you know who brings it in the NCAA tournament? BYU. They always win a game in the NCAA tournament. In fact, most of the time, it's at least two. So, big challenge with Wisconsin tomorrow, but... It's house money against Wisconsin. Because BYU's in the Sweet 16 again, eighth time in the last nine years. Amazing. It's incredible. Did BYU sweeping UCLA make you feel better about the athletic relationship between the Cougars and Bruins? I want to act like it's no, but it's yes. (laughs) It's yes. Of course it is. It's always good to beat UCLA for the Conference of Champions. Right, Bill? Oh, my goodness. Has what, what would, what ever would, been? What would Bill say about last night's loss to BYU <laughs> and women's volleyball? This is the youngest team in the history of athletic competition at UCLA. That's of course, an excuse, naturally, Bill. BYU would win this, please. William. Come on, William. <laughs> Bill Walton's been on the set, by the way. Fun fact. Yes, He's he been has. on the tour of the building. He even wore these big blue goggles. How about that? If you I remember Taylor Ballard Nixon yeah. flying 47 inches <laughs> for one of the greatest spikes in the history of the game. If you smell the blue goggles, you smell like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> Kennedy Eschenberg is and the something great else. wall of Brigham. <laughs> yes, indeed it was. <laughs> okay, is there a bigger cheerleader of women's volleyball in just BYU sports than Jack DeMooney? Watch uh, this. Yeah. Okay, so but, Jack, so, if, if you missed it... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what he's doing there, Jerem. He's clapping. He's. You can hear him, right? It's, and it's. He must have. Re, he must have rewound it because I don't yeah. think he wouldn't watch the match point live. Oh, whoa. The kick, the gonna pull a hamstring. Oh, oh, Jack. Oh, he's got a big dog too. That's awesome. <laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah. At first, it like starts like. Is he gonna do the haka? Nope. He's just clapping. He's got. He's got to work he's, a little bit yeah. on that. You know. Yeah. He and, listen, he and Jason Ayu literally would go dancing. I can't remember the name of the place. Now the, the double fisted punch forward back in the day. I didn't realize that was uh, Jack, a cheerleader you, movement. You teach us. You can look on YouTube at Spencer's dance moves as well. And he's clapping like this. What is it? And like yeah, a, a straight clap. Listen, when is, I was in junior high and high school, I chased around enough cheerleaders to know that it's this type of clap. Oh, like real, yes. real firm in there. Yeah. Like in the regular clap, yeah. 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 Anyway. I married a former cheerleader for crying out loud. Yeah, there's the classic. Yeah, it's that, that clasp clap. So we got to work on some things. But no, there's not a bigger BYU like fan than Jack well, Mooney. And he's like 6'3", so he is the biggest He's the uncle to every BYU athlete, right? Which is um, scientifically inaccurate, <laughs> but fun. Jerem, a group of New York Jets fans are trying to gain some momentum for a new nickname featuring Zach Wilson. Wall Street Wilson, is that better than Broadway Zach? Yeah. I like Wall Street Wilson. I think it is, but we're not there yet. Just because it's better doesn't mean it's good. We've also heard Zach's Fifth Avenue. Yep. Right? That was one I heard this morning talking to a Jets fan, radio dude in Houston, but yeah. Wall Street Wilson? Yeah. He's money! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it depends what stock it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dogecoin. I walked through a GameStop yesterday. And, yeah, Dogecoin. I was like, should I make, should I sell my 20 bucks right now? Cryptocurrency. Yeah. Plus 300%. I'll take it. A new dinosaur was discovered uh, in, in China. We'll get to that in a second. First. Okay. Uh, more impressive. BYU softball, 12-game win streak, or the 54 homers in 36 games? That's unbelievable. 54 home runs, nine over the last three games, but it's we said this yesterday. It's so hard to win a bunch of games in a row yeah. in softball and or baseball. It's because of how delicate and weird the game can be at times. The 12-game win streak is unbelievable, and it includes a sweep of the nationally ranked team, so there's some validity to it. It's 54 homers, man. 50. Like, like winning is the point of the game. But the means to that end, pretty impressive. 54 homers, baby! Run home, Jack! Run home, Jack! Yes. <laughs> Jeremy, you just said it. New dinosaur discovered in China. Small flying dinosaur with opposable thumbs. So it can text fast. Mm-hmm. With the discovery of the monkey dactyl. <laughs> How long until the monkey dactyls are taking over Jurassic Park? Now... This is, the, and we're showing a photo. It's kind of gnarly, right? Well, it's a new arboreal like- Darwinopterian pitosaur. It's uh, the oldest opposed stubborn fossil record, Gerald. Yes, thank you for that. It's like a little frog. I feel bad for the frog. Anyway, uh, Fast and Furious 5's director said that they've had talks about a Jurassic Whoa. World Fast and Furious what? crossover. Stop it. To which one of our friends texted us this morning, there's a real Sharknado vibe there. <laughs> But it would be done way better. <laughs> this I would love that. That'd be so fun. Now, this conversation spurred at one point this morning in okay, what animal should a cougar cross with to make like this? <laughs> what would be the ultimate combo? Incredible. And I was cougar? thinking, man, like an eagle and a cougar. Oh, an like eagle a, and a cougar. A cougar. <laughs> Dude, a cougar. <laughs> Look out, Utes. The cougar's coming at you. A cougar and a, a T Rex. Like if we're going the dinosaur route. Cause Rex. <laughs> <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time to welcome in guest number two on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. She is a star, and I mean that. In every sense of the word, for BYU softball, a big part of why the Cougars have won nine straight. Riley Jensen back with us. Riley, great to have you back on the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. You bet. 200 runs scored in your career. That's a lot of running around the bases. Just out of curiosity, have you ever missed touching home plate, ever? I think I've been close a couple times, but (laughs) that's a lot of runs. All right. 200, and you're still going. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're, these are career milestones that you want to get into. Is somebody calling you right now? Who's calling you? Someone's, yeah. someone's calling you because you're on the show and you they're watching. It? You can answer it if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. Hey, what's, what's the next career milestone that you have uh, on the agenda? Um, honestly, just trying to make it past the regional. We're just trying to win games. I mean, if, if I score runs, that obviously helps. But I, we're just trying to win games at this point. And so far, so good. You guys won nine in a row. Kind of turn this thing around. What's been the key to uh, winning that many uh, in in this streak? Yeah, we've definitely lost a lot of heartbreakers early, and it was really tough. You know, like I hate losing more than anything, but 
just sticking together and just staying on track with our goals and with what we want to accomplish. And finally, things are starting to come together, and I love it. Yeah, I was just mentioning to Jerem yesterday that this softball team's finding new and creative ways to win. Uh, you're outscoring teams and, you know, sometimes shootouts. Uh, you won a game on Saturday by a final of one to nothing. What has this team learned about closing out games that you weren't doing so in, in February and March? Um, I think early in the season where we were just kind of content with, you know, scoring early and just kind of coasting, but we, that's one of our goals is to not coast and to finish games. And that has paid off for us, but it's, it's tough. It's tough to not get content when you're scoring runs and doing all the things you need to do early in the game, but finishing games has been a big key for us. You guys are super fun to watch, and uh, those that haven't watched BYU softball, you got to check out this team, especially the outfield. It's really fun with you in left and Violet Zavodnik, uh, outstanding <laughs> freshman in center, and Hannah Joe Peterson. Feels like you guys are going to have a triple, a homer, a stolen base, throwing someone out at home. What's it like to play with that group in the outfield? Oh, I love those two to death. We have so much fun. You know, there's just there's no pressure. We just have fun out there. We're dancing. We're singing. I just love it. We're just such a fun group that has just stuck together. And I mean, it's also a plus that we hit one, two, three in the lineup. So it just helps us stick together and kind of just be like the, the engine of our team. You guys have a nickname or anything? Do we need to come up with that? No, we don't have one yet. Okay. We'll work on it. Yep. Yep. We're on it. All right. We're on it. Riley Jensen with us on BYU sports nation. When you uh, try and pinpoint the strength of this team, maybe it is the outfield, maybe it's something grander, but what what would you say is the strength of the team overall? That's a hard one. I wouldn't say we have one specific strength. You know, some games our pitching is just keeping us in the game. Some games our offense just exposed. Sometimes our defense just keeps us in the games. It just kind of depends on the day. That's, That's probably the biggest strength is we're strong all around. So maybe balance then? Yeah, Okay, let's talk about the home run chain. Yep. Uh, who came up with it? What you know? What was the motivation behind it? Because that's super fun. Um, Martha, our third baseman, it's kind of just sat in her locker for a while, and then Wait, she, she just started had a chain you know, sitting in her locker, and it started becoming a trend. And then last weekend, I hit a home run, and they were chanting, "Give her the chain! Give her the chain!" <laughs> it was just super cool, like being able to wear it. It's just awesome. Wait, so, so Martha's just rocking a chain in her locker, and then you guys are like, bring it up for the team. Well, I think she brought it for like that reason, but it kind of came out a couple times in our inner squad scrimmages in the fall when we couldn't like play against other teams. So, and it just came out at home games. Like we didn't really have it on the road until this last weekend. I love it because I asked oh. Coach Eakin about it. I was like, hey, who started the home run chain? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't pay attention to that stuff. Martha Epinesa, thank you for giving us the goodness That's of the home run awesome. chain. Uh, how much does playing just what is really shaped out to be a ridiculously hard February and March schedule help you at this point of the season? Um, it just makes us better. You know, like I said, we've lost – a lot of tough games, but we, it just shows us that we can play with anybody and to be able to just get to play at home and not like have a let up on our schedule, but 
not, I don't want to say easier games because we've made a lot of games really hard games, but <laughs> just to be able to just be at home and just believe in ourselves and build that chemistry from those tough games really helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, beginning of the season, you have more weight on the bar, right? And then you have a little less perhaps, uh, but you still have goals for certain reps and and want to win and score runs. So it, it, it makes sense. Yesterday I talked to uh, Gordon Eakin for getting ready for the broadcast, and he said that uh, you beat him in a little horse at the hotel over the weekend. Tell us about that interaction. <laughs> yeah, he um... – but you can, can shoot. It's I, I was not expecting it, but <laughs> we stayed at this cool hotel with like a full size basketball court, and basketball is my second sport, so I just had to bring out a little competitive nature to him. Okay, was it close? Like what? What? What letter did uh, he get to? Yeah, we. Uh, it was really close. <laughs> oh, okay. Shoot. Okay, so we got to S maybe or something. Yeah, he got me on the little mid-rangers, but I got him on the three-pointers. Okay. Yeah, that's this generation, right? The Steph Curry generation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, And I also heard that pre-pandemic, you know, now eligibility is probably tough. There was some potential interest at in looking at you on the women's basketball team, right? For a minute, yeah. Ooh, that, that could have been fun. A little Kate, Caitlin Aldridge part two. Okay, where does that conversation stand now? Is that completely off the do you table? Have, do you have eligibility? Uh, I'm not even sure, but I'm graduating. So. <laughs> She's out of here. I'm done. Which, which, by the way, congratulations. That's next week, right? Yeah, finally. Okay, you have two finals. You told us during the break. Um, what, what classes are those in? Oh, put me on the spot. Uh, if you can't remember the name of the class, you and... don't deserve the pass. I think I think I'm in like two human development classes. So I think they're both for that one. Okay, gotcha. last semester, two classes. Well done, by the way. That's how you, that's how you got to do it. Yeah. So what's next? Uh, are you going to try and uh, play softball after college? Are you going to take the Libby Sug route? Or wh- what do you think's next in your future as an athlete? That's a very good question that I don't know the answer to. I'm just trying to finish strong with softball right now and just try to get us past that over the hump of the regional. So we're just taking a baby steps right now. Hey, well, when you lead the team in hits and runs, doubles and home runs, batting average i'd say that 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 you're doing a pretty good job leading okay and we got to finish with this riley the idaho girl versus idaho state tonight um if versus bocatello is there a rivalry between the two cities we need to know about um i wouldn't say rivalry between the two cities but i almost went there so a victory tonight would be extra sweet okay okay you almost went to idaho state and missed out on the opportunity to be on byu sports nation I know. I know Sports Nation is a big deal, too. <laughs> don't sleep on Idaho don't, State. Don't sleep on them. No. Riley, congratulations on everything you've accomplished thus far. We're excited to see where this team goes, and uh, good luck getting uh, what we hope is win number 10 in a row tonight. Thank you, guys. You got it. Riley Jensen on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.